Hi, welcome to this episode on Hair Talk. In this episode, I'll give you a little bit of background on my career as a hairstylist, where hairdressers go to die. It's not as morbid as it sounds. It's actually based on a conversation that I had with a fellow hairstylist, and we were talking about what life would look like in our later years. Whether you're just starting out or have been in the business for years, this episode might be relatable to you. When you get to the latter half of your career, you start to think about what retirement might look like. From what I've seen, hairdressers don't retire, at least not in the way that other professionals do. There's no magic age where we just pack up our station, cash in a chunk of money and sail off into the sunset. Some reasons could be our passion for the work, our relationships built for years with our clients, or maybe we never invested to have that chunk of money for retirement. Our job that was once fairly straightforward is now complicated as we become so much more to our clients than someone who just makes them look good. We've become friends, confidants, and in some cases, lifelines. That in itself is pretty hard to walk away from. I graduated from beauty school in 1989. I know I'm aging myself, but it is what it is. I was anxious to get to work and I was enrolling in community college that fall. I was looking at this as more of a skilled profession, you know, a way that I could just make some good money rather than a career in the beginning. I started working for a commission salon, but making 50% of zero was not sustainable. So I opted to work for a chain salon that paid me hourly plus commission. I wasn't excited about working for a chain salon. I thought it was beneath me because, you know, I graduated the top of my class and I was the shit and I knew everything. But, you know, it humbles you when you get out there in the workforce and you take what you can get. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was actually a good move for me because I was able to transfer to another salon when I moved to Seattle to go to the Art Institute. I graduated a couple years later and it turned out that freelancing in graphic design was really challenging. And it became clear that I was meant to work behind the chair. I put all of my energy towards growing as a stylist and making more money. So I left that chain salon after about eight years. And I went off on my own, trying to work for myself and bring my clients with me. I moved around more than I would have liked to, so I experienced many kinds of salons and managing styles. I was a good worker and very independent with high standards for customer service. I could also be blunt, stubborn, and sensitive about criticism. Each one of the salon owners had taught me something and I am very grateful for all of it, the good and the bad. I had bosses that tried to mother me tried to break me and build me back up, and finally salon owners who just wanted to support me and help me grow. I gotta say that was the best approach for both of us. And as I got older, 
I became a little softer around the edges and not so sensitive about negative feedback. There's a quote from um, a singer, Erica Badu, that I really like. She said, keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. I felt that. For 15 years, I'd been centrally located in the heart of Seattle when I decided that I needed to work closer to home and within my community. I moved my business to a suburb of Seattle called West Seattle and found my way to a salon where I felt very appreciated and supported. I loved that we were a group of women of all ages. We worked so hard and closely together, collaborating and sharing our knowledge with each other so much that it felt like family. I said, that's it. I'm never leaving. I did. Let me back up a little bit and tell you about this conversation I had about eight years ago. One salon that I worked for had a partnership with TG and they were able to send their hairstylist to New York to attend the TG Academy for advanced training once a year. I went every year and took almost every course they offered. (laughs) We would go in twos or threes and the company would put us all in a hotel room near the academy in Soho. You get to know your coworkers pretty well when you're sharing a small space for a few days. We usually went Sunday through Thursday and packed in as much extracurricular activities as education. It was during one of these trips when I was having a great conversation with one of my coworkers. We were talking about owning a salon, if we'd ever do it, and booth renting, and I, I mentioned having a salon in your home as an option. That's where hairdressers go to die, she said. Well, I thought that was pretty funny because I'd never thought of it that way, but that does seem to happen. It seems like we go through being commission stylists, and then we rent a booth or contract or whatever you want to call it. We have a business of our own within another business. Or we open our own salon, but eventually we end up working alone because we can't deal with other people anymore. (laughs) We thought that was pretty funny. We were picturing uh, someone in like a dark garage next to the lawnmower wearing two wrist guards, a back brace and slippers and sipping wine and smoking cigarettes while haphazardly cutting someone's hair. Professionalism has gone out the window. I decided it probably wasn't for me. I would miss having the camaraderie and the inspiration that I get from working with people around me. And so fast forward to the spring of 2020. Seattle is in lockdown for the COVID-19 pandemic. As the weeks went by, we were all wondering what our jobs would look like going forward. For a few years, I'd been organizing auctions at my kids' school, and I found that I did have some skills that transferred into other lines of work. So I was exploring some ideas on how to incorporate that into making additional income. After a few weeks at home and what listening to the radio constantly, I was scared to go back and I didn't want to dress like a surgeon to be able to cut and color hair. I knew my clientele would also feel apprehensive and that concerned me. 
There were rumors that school wouldn't resume in the fall and that kids would attend remotely from home. I have two teenaged boys, and although they get along fine most of the time, I doubted they'd be able to manage getting up on time to attend multiple classes and be able to feed themselves. So it was settled. I was going to build a salon in my home. I bet you're wondering to yourself, did she put it in the garage? I did not. I wanted to put it in the garage, but the garage is now a home gym. I put it in a spare bedroom that we have in the back of the house. It has French doors out on it to the deck and a side entrance. My clients really seem to like the one-on-one attention and my family's gotten used to having people come and go. I think the neighbors are a little confused though because I really didn't advertise what I was doing. I think a lot of solo suites have popped up this year for a lot of different reasons. So I don't feel like I'm completely alone. I'm not at the end of my career. I'm just evolving into something that works better for me and my family. I'm actually really grateful that I was able to pivot and make it work. I hope that this story helped you in some way and maybe you have had to make big changes this year. Change is really hard. If you have a story that you'd like to share with me, please email me at askhairtalk at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at hairtalkstories. I would love to hear what you've experienced. Until then, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.